peace. What's happening, folks? Uh, this is Wes Felton, and I want to welcome you to another episode of The Wes Felton Show. Today's episode is a very special episode. We're going to get right into it. We're going to be talking about cannabis. This is a part one episode uh, and segment with a very special guest and friend of mine, D.C. Scrogger. D.C. Scrogger is a cannabis enthusiast, uh, advocate, um, grower, teacher, educator, and... Um, he, he kind of makes it happen for a lot of people who often um, aren't able to uh, enjoy the educational proponents of cannabis. Um, so I'm going to get right into it. I'm hanging out with him in an undisclosed location in Southeast uh, where there's a little bit of cannabis growing and some smoking going on. But real quick, um, I want to ask you, uh, Scrogger, welcome, first of all. Welcome yeah, to the man, show. I appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, yo, first show. Yes. You got to do it right. Yes. So, uh, yeah, man. So, I'm, so real quick, um, I want to just ask, for, for people of color, for black folks, what what is the biggest myth about cannabis? The biggest myth is that it has no medical value. Um and that myth was predicated by the propaganda of reefer madness. Uh, one of the reasons why our people say reefer and we should stop using that derogatory term was the propaganda said as such as darkies rape white women high off reefer. Mexicans craze off marijuana. Now those terms are derogatory. The plant is cannabis and it is a healer. Hmm. Uh, for, for people that are uh, in the black community, because we come from that tradition and background of it being, you know, this, you know, voodoo-ish kind of scary. scary thing, how does one start that conversation and dialogue with members of their family? Let's say a mother, a father, an uh, uncle, or auntie, a grandparent, who one, may have that, uh, still that view of cannabis, but then two, may also, you know, might suffer from some element that could be beneficial. Yeah, I can tell from my personal experience, uh, I had a family member um, wanting to be an advocate, it starts at home. You should tell your family and friends what you're doing, what your beliefs are, even if they don't believe you or believe in what you're doing. Um, that way you can go out and tell the world and wholeheartedly tell the world. Um, for myself, um, I had a family member um, that was ill. Uh, they have since passed. Um, but they were prescribed night-night uh, narcotics uh, for to calm them down. That's what the doctor said. And uh, uh, they love tea. Uh, so it was tea time. And I infused the tea uh, with cannabis um, that would calm them down naturally. Um, a lot of the pills that are in our parents' cabinets and our grandparents' cabinets can be supplemented through CBD and through THC. Real quick for our listeners, just give them like a 30 second explanation of what THC is, is CBD, the difference real okay, quick. Okay, the difference is uh, in the plant itself, you have compounds in the plant that are THC that gives you the psychoactive compound that gets you the euphoria of high or, um, um, or medicated. Um, the other um, form in the plant is uh, CBD, which are cannabinoids, and the cannabinoids are the healing properties of the plant. Um, CBD can be derived from cannabis or it can be derived from the hemp plant, 
and this is the oil that you're hearing about that's helping uh, those that suffer from autism and epilepsy um, uh, those that have Crohn's disease um, that would be the CBD oil extracted from the hemp plant you now give me so with that because uh, this first segment is gonna be uh, we're gonna take a break in a second but real quick just give me an example of how do you start that conversation with that family member or with that person of color who still kind of carries that uh, false uh, narrative of cannabis. One, have the literature with you. Have the literature uh, with you when, uh, when you go and talk. Uh, one thing that we can't dispute is facts. A lot of times the plant is uh, also faith-based. Uh, with that, we'll be back. Make sure you tune in for future episodes, segments, and installments of Black Cannabis with my special guest, D.C. Scrogger. Now, I'm making my way on a mark train to Baltimore, which is not too far from Washington, D.C., the city I live in. Some of you may know, some of you may not know, I am a beer enthusiast. I have a beer uh, photo journal uh, that I keep on Instagram called Brothers of Brew Converting, uh, where I document the beers that I have all over the world and country, but more specifically, small brewers, uh, craft beer, uh, small businesses, very similar to independent artists uh, competing with the majors and uh, it's just a handful of those and so more many more uh, quality artists brewers who make beer to taste like beer and anyone that knows anything about craft beer baltimore is a city who has a very thriving craft beer community and um, brewery uh, community so um, i recently was invited um, by the owner and brewer at Union Brewing in Baltimore so uh, it's one of my favorite breweries actually in Baltimore I like their beers duck pen and double duck pen and so forth I'm an IPA lover so but uh, I'm gonna get a chance to talk to him and hang out with him hopefully I can have him kind of talk to me a little bit about uh, similar to the cannabis community the craft beer community uh, you often don't see many black uh, people represented um, a few out now uh, but there's definitely a community of black uh, beer enthusiasts um, out there um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that so um, before you heard this you were listening to two songs from off the latest project I have with my friend Raheem Devon collectively we call ourselves the crossroads and uh, you heard um, Black Gold featuring Scarface and Talib Kweli, as well as um, All Go Blind. Uh, so um, continue to listen and tune in, and um, I'll talk to you later, and you'll hear me hopefully at Union Brewery. Peace. Wes Felton, the Amber Tyler over here. I'm so excited for your show. I look forward to hearing some of your broadcasts in the very near future um, and keeping up to date.
So keep doing you. I want to send this very special shout out to our listener, Colette Preston. Listening all the way from Baltimore. Congratulations to your Philadelphia Eagles on your championships this year. So I made it uh, safely here to Baltimore, Maryland. I'm currently uh, hanging out here at Union Craft Brewing. Uh, And as I mentioned, um, I was going to hopefully get a moment to kind of hang out and rap uh, to one of the owners and uh, I don't know, he'll tell you what his official uh, title is. I don't want to get nobody in trouble <laughs> and hurt anybody's feelings because, you know, sometimes for brothers, we we got to, you know, we do our thing and uh, we can't necessarily brag about it all the time. But uh, I'm here with my brother Kev and uh, he's uh, an owner and brewer of Union Craft Brewing here in Baltimore. Um, I'm going to get right into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck him up real quick and just tell him, like, look, uh, What's the deal, man? Why why are so many black folks uh, into the craft beer community? Why do you think? Well, so I think it's it's a couple of things. One is that craft beer we don't advertise, right? So it's word of mouth thing from friend to friend to friend. You need some money to get into this industry, and that's something that we don't always have a lot of. Um, and so it's been a lot of white guys started this, and then their friends will talk about it to their friends, to their friends, to their friends. And so black people kind of got overlooked in this whole thing. And I don't think it's I wouldn't say it's racism, blatant racism, no. but I think it's kind of, you know, it's, I'm telling my buddy about it who's telling his buddy, and we tend to still be pretty segregated, right? How, 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 did, how do you personally, uh, um, as a I, black man, get into I this? hung with a bunch of white boys in college to drink good beer, and that's what got me into it. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. From the time I started home brewing, um, I loved that I could take my hands and create this liquid that... People love beer. It's so important to them in a lot of ways. And to be able to make it, see people drink it, was always cool. And so it just kind of, I was an English major in college. I didn't know what I was going to do with that. Um, but and I you saw, went to college in the DMV, right? Yeah, I went to College Park, University okay. of Maryland. Um, and so I was able to kind of make this product and, and see a, a career out of it. And yeah. that's kind of how I came through it. And so tell us, how long have you guys been here? Um, we're about to celebrate our sixth anniversary this summer. Um, and uh, we've got big things. We're, we're opening up a new location. Um, triple in the size of our brewery, uh, so we yeah, have big things, big things. Um, in your opinion, what do you think um, could be some of the, like, how, how, how can you get brothers and sisters a little bit more into craft beer? I, I think you got to get them to try the product. There's a lot of familiar flavors in craft beer, be it a stout where you get that chocolate, there's roast coffee notes, uh, hops, hoppy beer's got the citrus notes, that kind of stuff. So I think it's just getting people to try the beer. I think once people try beer that, you know, black people love spicy we love rich flavors and you get all that in craft beer so it's just introducing that beer to people and letting them realize that Heineken ain't a good beer man. right right Bass is not great a beer I, told, <laughs> you know? I used to do a birthday party every year in my house and there was a rule that if you brought Heineken uh, or Corona or any of that stuff into my house for the birthday party it had to stay on the porch yeah. Um, but it would be great because I would find that my guests who had no clue about beer, they would they would go to the store and it would force them to have to, one, start relationships with the actual person. They probably buy liquor and beer from all the time, never spoke to them, and beyond just telling them a price to where now you, they actually, you know, are engaged in service. Um, but 
besides the concept of us being into flavor and taste, you know, can you maybe just talk a little bit about how, what's the importance of supporting craft breweries just in general as it compares to the, uh, you know, We're, we're small businesses, three. we're small yeah. businesses, number one. Um, I live in the area, my business is in the area. Um, we're putting our money back into the community. We're hiring people to live in, in the city of Baltimore. Um, and so if you're supporting a, a, most of your local craft breweries, you're supporting a small business um, where people are keeping their money in the community as opposed to a Budweiser, um, which is owned by a company based in Belgium, or Heineken, which is owned by a company based out of Amsterdam. So when you come to these small local breweries, you know, us, DC Brow, Three Stars, uh, Diamondback, any of these brews around here, you're supporting people that live in your town, that are putting money in your town, or are invested in your town, you know? And so I think that's kind of the, the biggest thing, you know? And So it's kind of like the difference between like, uh, it, it, like your underground hip hop versus your commercial. Yeah, hip-hop. exactly. Yeah, exactly. You got I, your substance. Yeah, yeah. You got and your substance, and you got your thing, and it's not. And then you got your. You know, we're the, not shouting the into the mic saying saying dumb stuff. We're here trying to make this great product. Yeah. So that's that's the thing we're doing. Great. To do. So um, we'll you'll probably catch a little bit more. I'll get a little bit more from them. Thank. You. So as I continue my uh, visit here to Union Brewery. I'm here. They have now um, officially opened their. I love. I love. They've opened their uh, tap room where they allow customers to come. They can grab uh, all kinds of uh, beers here in house to go. They're very. Some are limited. Some are their uh, signature beers, such as the Anthem Golden L, Blackwing Black Lager. Uh, Skip Jack Pilsner and Duck Pin, which is their uh, kind of one of their most popular PLLs. Um, we've been enjoying uh, one of their limited uh, editions, which is uh, the KL, uh, excuse me, XL1190 double IPA, which is in celebration and tribute to like the cassettes that we used to record and make our own mixtapes on. Um, but as I hang out here with him, very interesting just for an example this very uh, group of obviously affluent older white men come in they have a bunch of food that they brought in because obviously there's not a restaurant or a facility here they're just making beer uh, I believe that there might be like a food truck and a pizza place often that's nearby and they came in with a bunch of food and of course you know one of the older uh, white men says to him uh, oh, so you must work here. And he very politely corrected me. He said, no, actually, I'm an owner. And, uh, you know, those are those moments where it's just a reminder that we, uh, as a people <clears throat> and black people, no matter what we do, um, no matter what we accomplish, uh, even when you come into our own space, you'll still have white people who will just try to take a shit on you <laughs> but it's a beautiful vibe in here they're playing currently um, Footprints on the Moon album through their speaker in its entirety uh, it's a good little vibe uh, yeah so uh, I'll check in a little bit later once again you're listening to the West Felton Show all things 
critical as they relate to the African American, uh, you know, person, foodie, uh, music lover, and artist. Cheers. <laughs>